I'll publicly say again, I apologize for forgetting you guys, but you did outstanding all by yourselves. Did a good job. The other bass player couldn't be here, and we swapped in and out, and I wrote it on a calendar, but that's a month ago, and I hate to admit it, but I am getting a little older, and I forgot. But somebody was real quick to remind me when we came that, where's your bass? Oh, yeah, I remember that now. Oops. If you have your Bible with you, take and open them up to the book of Ezekiel. In the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel. You know, I just noticed something. Oh, take it to the bank, and Joni almost dressed like twins. They both got them black and white squares today. I back up top, looking down there, and saw one, and then the other. You play checkers on both their backs, Harold. Huh? Ezekiel chapter 20. She wore them squares the first time I told her it reminded me of going to my grandpa's feed store. It was a and a chow feed. Get them checkers there. Huh? That's right. Ezekiel chapter 20. We just came off a Thanksgiving holiday, and you know, one thing we can always, and, and from Thanksgiving we roll into, into Christmas, two very special times of the year for us as Christians, and uh, in that God reminds us throughout His Word that we should always be thankful, even when it's tough to say, thank you, Lord. And there are them tough times, it is hard to say thank you, and uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I was out there hammering the other day, and my thumb got in the way, and that wasn't the first thing that went across my mind when that hammer struck my thumb, was to say thank you, but I bit that tongue and said, thank you, Lord, I needed that, wake me back up, I appreciate it, but there are special things, and I want to uh, also say that... Uh, I appreciate Mr. Tyler. Uh, he and I came out here Friday and uh, got everything down for the folks on Saturday, and then we put up two new lights on the on the uh, fellowship building that had burned out, and then we put the ladies put all the rails in all of your bathroom stalls and things like that. We did note one thing in the ladies' bathroom, Doc. You notice, you know them. To put a hat rack or a coat rack, whatever you wanted up there, they took horseshoes and they welded one. Well, I'm trying to figure out how they broke one of them off. They must have been swinging by the door, and I say that because the second stall is supposed to be upright, and they got that sucker bent over about that far. So I don't know what goes on in you women's bathroom, but it must be a whole lot different than the men's bathroom because ours are still straight and they're all hanging right. Ladies get a little rowdy in there or something. I don't know. But I appreciate Mr. Tyler. He did a good job. And I appreciate y'all loaning him out. 
<laughs> Ezekiel chapter 20. Title of the message, A God of Mercy. And now, go back. We're in that special time of year to be thankful. It is a God of mercy. Thank goodness He is. He is a righteous God. He is a just God. But He's a merciful God. And this morning we want to look at that and want to hit several different scriptures. I'll run through them very quickly. But to show you throughout all of the Bible, God reminds us of His mercy. And folks, that is what our world needs today, is the mercy that God offers through His Son, Jesus Christ. So Ezekiel chapter 9, I invite you to stand if you're able at chapter, excuse me, chapter 20, I said 9, I'm sorry, chapter 20, beginning in verse 41. And Ezekiel was the old prophet in chapters 20 and 21, I'm going to drop in towards the end of it, but he speaks to the Israelite people who have failed to keep his statutes and obey God and it. The sin nature that we have has a way of innately putting in us, we don't want to obey. I often said the first words out of a kid's mouth is no. It doesn't matter what else he hears, it's the first thing he picks up on is the word no. Each one of us do that. And so, but God so abundantly shows us his mercy. Verse 41 in chapter 20. I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out of the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will be hallowed in you before the Gentiles. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, into the country for which I raised my hand in an oath to give to your fathers. And there you shall remember your ways and all of your doings with which you were defiled. And you shall loathe yourselves in your own sight because of all of the evils that you have committed. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have dealt with you for my name's sake, not according to your wicked ways nor according to your corrupt doings. O house of Israel, says the Lord God. You may be seated. Now, as you know, in the Old Testament, God proclaimed that the Israelite people would be His people. And He also tells us, and we hear Jesus talk about that, and they use the term stiff-neck, that it wasn't because they were the greatest people, they weren't the prettiest people, they weren't the most accommodating people. But they were people of obstinance and people who had stiff necks. And Jesus awful, often talked to that and spoke and said, you're a stiff-necked people. For us southern folks, that means we're stubborn, okay? That's the easy way, like a mule, stubborn. And that is true. We are still that way. We're prideful people. We're stubborn. I don't care what the direction says, I'm going to do it without them until I no longer can go any further, and then I guess I have to read them things if I didn't trash them and throw them away, right? But we are that way. We are taught from an early age, especially at least I was. I'm sure many of you were the same way in the culture of being a Texican, that 
you pull your own, yourself up by your own bootstraps. You don't depend on others. You worry about you. And you make, because you can't rely on anybody else but you. And a lot of those teachings, not that they were wrong in the essence of the world, but in the essence of the spiritual world of God himself. We do need help. We do need a Savior. We cannot do it ourselves. So here, God's people create spiritually for you and I. You say, well, he's talking about to the Israelites and bringing them into Israel. That is a description for you and I. He's talking about his chosen people, you and I who know Jesus Christ. He chose us. We didn't choose him. Not a single one of us go, oh, I need a Savior. I'm going to run to Jesus Christ. No, he drew each one of us to him. He showed us how we needed a Savior. And the Israel itself is his new Jerusalem. He speaks about coming before him in heaven. Notice there that he says, I will accept you as a sweet aroma. Well, I've been around some of you folks and y'all are far from sweet. And I'm sure I am myself too, okay? We're rather stinky if you really want to know the truth about it. We don't have that sweet aroma. And he's right. When we come to when we begin to see what he's talking about, as he continues here, he says, you loathe yourself for the things that you've done. Why wasn't I paying attention sooner? Lord, I'm so sorry. And think about the pain in the nails that he endured. Each one of those hammer strikes were one of mine and one of yours. He endured it for you and I. He says, but I accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out of the people. There's so many that have come to know Jesus Christ throughout the ages and of God's people that we will meet and get to see in heaven. Many of our relations, many of the folks that we read about, we'll be able to see and to know and talk with them personally. I'd have a laundry list of the ones I'd like to meet. There's, I like history and all, but the ones that we read of. But most of all, I want to see Jesus. But he tells us there that in spite of what all has taken place, he made a promise he says to your fathers, I raised my hand in an oath, and God is always faithful. And he says, you and I will remember that as he judges us righteously. But you see, that's what Christ did. He no longer sees what we did, but what his son did. We're cloaked in his blood. We're made righteous and pure, sanctified. He tells us that we're as white as snow. But yet, those are the things that he does. And he says, I will bring you into myself. And notice in 44, he says, Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have dealt with you for my name's sake, not according to your wicked ways. His namesake of being a merciful God. Now, where does that come from? Turn with me, if you will, quickly over to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34. Here in Exodus 34, he is speaking, and it's when he's giving Moses the Ten Commandments, and Moses has asked to be able to see him. And God says, no man can look at me, but he passes, he descends in a crowd, in a cloud, and passes. He has him turn the other way. But he speaks these words. 
in verse 6 of chapter 34. He says, and the, Lord, and the Lord God passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilt, visiting the iniquity, iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. He is merciful. He forgives us. But there's always consequences to a sin, and we have seen that throughout the Bible, the consequences of sin from the time in the Garden of Eden put us all and cast us all as having a sinful nature. As I said, one of the first things that we learn is how to say no. You know, I remember growing up as a kid, probably many of you do, that, uh, you know, just as God corrects us, my daddy had a belt that put a, a large correction upon my south end to make my north end understand what was going on. Or your mama tells you, now don't get in there and don't get in there and eat them cookies till they're all ready. And it's invariably the fact she told me not to put a neon sign over those cookies and the aroma, you know. Here we went. Got in trouble with her, too. She didn't swing the belt quite as hard, but I'm here to tell you it was just as bad. In Isaiah, the Lord comes here after God has sworn that, has told us that he will be a merciful, his own description. In Isaiah 55, chapter 55 and verse 6, he tells us to seek the Lord while he may be found. Now, Isaiah was a prophet that told a lot about Jesus Christ coming. The devil wants to always deceive everyone and says, Oh, you just need to live your life full of fun. You can come to Jesus Christ anyway. Anytime you can come to Him. That's not true. You see, the Holy Spirit comes to you and I. And the New Testament talks about blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. If we continually reject Jesus Christ, we don't know how long, how much time that is, but if we do it repeatedly over and over and over, eventually what the Lord, because He is, gives us freedom of choice, He says, fine, have it your way. It's what you want, you got it. And you see, we cannot come to Him without Him. We literally, and you remember back to your own Faith in the time that you accepted Jesus Christ, literally, He draws us to Him. Most often, we don't even know what to say other than, I need you. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for you and I and tells Him what the groanings of our heart is. And we believe in Him and trust in Him. But it's by Him. It's not what we do. We simply relinquish ourselves to be open to all that He has to offer. And so here He tells us in Isaiah, in a foretelling, He tells us what is coming, that it will happen in the future. He says, if you seek Me, you'll be found and call upon Me while the Lord is near. I cannot think of anything worse. You know, and it's not one of those things often ask that question about the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. Well, how many times? I can't tell you that. 
I know the Lord comes to us over and over again. But eventually, there's a point in time, he says, fine, have it your way. I pray that none of you would ever experience that or have loved ones that you have that way. Continually keep them in prayer and be in front of them. He says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous, in verse 7, man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. There it is again. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Man, aren't you thankful for that? Abundantly pardon. It's another old lie the devil tries to throw up. He says, God can't forgive you for what he's done. Yes, he can. There is not a single thing that Jesus did not die on that cross that any human being can ever do or conceive to do. Not a single thing. He showed that over and over again. When they caught the woman in adultery, they wanted to stone her. And Jesus says, you without sin, throw the first stone. You know, that's the biggest concept and lie that the devil puts out there, that one sin is greater than another. It's not in God's eyes. It's all the same. We talk about at the cross, you're on a level playing field. There's no one greater or smaller than any other. The same is true about the sins. On that cross, there's not one greater or smaller than another. It's on the same level. It's all the same to him. One white lie is as big as killing somebody. It's all the same. There's not a single one of those Ten Commandments that is greater than another. They're all the same. Originally, there was just one, one commandment, one rule of life. I know that's hard for us to imagine today, right? But one rule, don't eat of that tree. And what do we do? Eat of that tree. And I can't blame Adam and Eve because you and I would do it too. I don't know how, how it smelled. I don't know how wonderful it looked, but it was enough. It was enough to lure that old devil, he used that. And he still uses those things today. Finally, he says, we wonder oftentimes, why does the Lord linger with us? All I can say is I'm thankful that he does. I'm thankful his ways are higher than my ways. I'm thankful his compassions far more than my compassion. I'm thankful that his patience are far more greater than my patience we give up on people god doesn't he says in verse 9 for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways says the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts how wonderful that is so Isaiah lets us know that he is there. We, all we have to do is accept it. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son for whosoever. That means anyone. Whosoever believes on him would have everlasting life. In order to have that everlasting life, we have to be forgiven. And he's willing to do that. It follows up from the Old Testament to the New Testament. 1 John 1.9 probably for most of you a very familiar passage of Scripture, but it is the basis upon which our Lord went to the cross. It is the basis that you and I have mercy. 
1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We started out in Ezekiel. He says, I raised my hand and took an oath to your fathers. That's way back there, folks. You see, God never says, well, that was a long time ago, and I'm not honoring that now. Any of y'all ever gone to the car dealership? Because your old truck give out, and they go, nah, that warranty went out at 100000 or it went out whenever. See, things go away. We remember old agreements that were made, and they go, man, that's so long ago. Ain't no way you can tell me that has to be applicable now. But God never forgets. He's faithful from what he said day one to the present day to all the way to eternity. He never forgets. Immediately after the sin in the garden, he began to speak about salvation, his son, Jesus Christ. His son came. We celebrate it with Christmas. His son went to the cross. We celebrate that with Easter. And folks, I got news for you. We're going to celebrate the rapture as well and being in heaven. Finally, turn with me, if you will, to the book of James. James chapter 5. James chapter 5 and verse 15. And he says here in James, as he is led by the Spirit to write, he says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And we normally immediately think about physical health, prayers for health. But he goes much deeper than that. His prayers about spiritual sickness, a spiritual illness. And those same prayers that heal us physically will also heal us spiritually much faster. He says, and the prayers of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Jesus says, I come to give you a whole new heart. A whole new life. I'll start things all over again for you and begin to teach you my ways. Because he has a plan for each one of us. He says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. The thing about it is there's no ambiguity in that. It's not, well, maybe we'll pardon it. Well, maybe we'll forgive it. It says he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. How important that is to pray for one another. Pray for other members of this church. Pray for other Christians around the world. They suffer the same type of trials and tribulations that you and I do. We don't have to know and see what they are, but it's the fact that our Lord tells us, Pray for one another. You know how important it is when you're down and out and people are praying for you? You know, one day we'll find all those people have been praying for us and we've been praying for them that we've never even met. But it says, I will raise him up. He says, pray for one another that you may be healed. Again, it's always in the context of physical healing. I want you to think about more of the spiritual healing. 
See, oftentimes folks are sick physically because of what's going on spiritually. They hold grudges. They hold times in which they refuse to forgive. They hold jealousies or envies. Those things eat you up from the inside out. You know, oftentimes with forgiveness is the fact that the person that you still hold anger and hard feelings towards, they don't even know you hold it. And they're just going down the road fat, dumb, and happy. The only one worked up and sick about it is you. It happened many years ago. They've forgotten totally about it. It's held in your mind. He used to work with a fellow that uh, I always kind of got tickled at him. He was one of the foreman leaders of a crew for me, and he was black. He had a lot of different black guys on there, and they would, when they'd take a break, they'd get to talking, and inevitably somebody would bring up the race card. And I remember him standing, and he said, you know, the only one talking about race is you. He said, you ever been a slave? Well, no. He said, neither have I. He said, anybody ever whipped you or put you in chain? No. He said, then what are you complaining about? The only one that's remembering that is you. You get up, you go to work, you do what you're supposed to do. If it's right, you get rewarded. If it's wrong, they tell you, you fix it. And I thought, wow, what words of wisdom. But you know, it's not just about race, it's about anything. You and I oftentimes hold hard grudges towards people that we feel like have done us wrong. The only one being affected is you and I. But when we ask for forgiveness of our own, it says he will heal us, meaning he will give us his attributes, that passion, that long-suffering, that mercy. You know, sometimes people just need to be showed a little bit of kindness and a little mercy. Lord knows these things that I've done that he didn't give me what I deserved. He showed me mercy. And sometimes that's what we have to do, is show others mercy and be long-suffering with them. He says, in the prayer of faith, we'll save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another that you may be healed. The effective Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Wow. Of a righteous man. I can't be righteous on my own. That's the effective, fervent prayer of the Holy Spirit. We oftentimes, we talk about that we need to be more like Jesus Christ every day. We gain those attributes not by our own, but by the Spirit teaching and guiding. By us being willing to be that clay in the potter's hand, to be open and flexible for Him to mold and make us to what He would have us to be, not what we see we ought to be. Remember Isaiah? My ways are not your ways. My ways are much higher than your thoughts. He sees you and I and what we can be and what he planned for us to be. He sees others around us the same way. If we open ourselves up, we begin to see those same things. Keep those folks, especially the ones that agitate us the most, they ought to be the ones we're praying for the most. The prayers of a righteous man 
avail much. Every single one of us in here are living proof of that. I can tell you we're totally living proof of righteous prayers. They avail much. Someone, somewhere down the way, has been praying for you a long time. And they prayed for me a long time until they saw the realization of Jesus Christ in our lives. I invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm done.